Welcome, everybody. It is Saturday again. It is 11 a.m., so it must be Jupiter Rising showtime. It is, and we are here today. And we're very excited to have one of our very favorite guests back, Ms. Wanda Buckner. Hi, Wanda. Hi. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. (laughs) So anyway, she's going to be with us today, and she's going to be talking about, what was your song? Empathy. Empathy. Yes. Oh, gosh. I could write the book on that one. Anyway, um, yes, empathy and when it goes awry. Yes, because we can be anywhere on the continuum to where we don't feel anything for the person who is in pain to where the other person's pain absolutely debilitates us. Okay. Oh, that's very interesting. We're going to talk about that. That I want to know about. Okay, so today Mr. Doug is not with us today, but he will be back with us next week. And uh, so this week we have on, obviously, Wanda Buckner on for the hour to talk about empathy going awry. And also anything else you want to. I know there are a couple people who want to call in about their animals. Yes. And that's fine, too. This isn't a train going down the track. This is more like a (laughs) meandering walk. I could just had a visual of that. That's weird. Whoosh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so let me give out the phone numbers really quick. It is four. It's local is four two five three seven three five five two seven, and then toll free in Western Washington is eight 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 two nine eight five five six nine. So anyway, if you have a call or a con. Um, a question from Ms. Wanda, you can actually ask her when you call in. So we're going to be doing a couple of those today. And also, um, probably the most obvious thing with the Astro Celebrity of the Week was to pick Mr. Kirk Douglas, who, who passed away this week at age 103. That's really astounding that he made it that, that far. But we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how he was um, and, you know, his chart, his chart is very, very interesting and, um, and can kind of see it actually when you talk about his life. So we're going to talk a little bit about him. It'll be interesting because I saw a brief interview with him and his son and he had a major stroke a yes, few years ago. Yes. And after that stroke, he and his son were able to find each other again yeah. because Michael said that his his dad changed yes. after that stroke to be more accepting yes. and more loving. Yeah, absolutely. It was fascinating. Well, that changes everything anyway, no matter how you look at it. And you can see that in his chart, too, but we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the Celebrity of the Week. And so anything else? Yes, we have a you know just our usual blurb and stuff like that, but... We're going to be talking to Wanda for the hour, and also uh, Mr. Kirk Douglas will be our Celebrity of the Week. So anyway, we're going to take a really quick break, and when we get back, we're going to do the Celeb of the Week. This is Eileen Grimes right here on Jupiter Rising Show, right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. 
Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And now it's time for Astral Celebrity of the Week. And thank you very much, Mike. Okay, so uh, this is Mr. Kirk Douglas. And um, I, I, I don't know if I was really surprised when I found out he passed because he he just kept going and going, going like the energy Energizer Bunny. But um, his chart is interesting. He was born on December 9th, 1916 at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Amsterdam, New York. Okay, and so... He has all the components, even though he's Sagittarius. And by the way, he's written over 12 books. So that doesn't surprise me, him being a Sagittarius. By the way, I, you know, I'm going to be doing more of this kind of stuff in future shows because our fifth anniversary is coming up next weekend, I believe. Wow. So uh, we're going to start changing, changing the show over to a little bit more information-based. So I'm going to go through this chart a little bit more informationally, just for the advantage for Wanda. Wanda wants this. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I'm fascinated by astrology, but a lot of times I don't really understand. Like, I did not know that Sagittarians were writers. Yes, they are. Primarily, they are. Yeah, because they are dealing with bigger-than-life information, bigger picture you know, and they have adventures in their lives. They go travel. They jump off of mountains. They do movies. Oh, that's that's true in Kirk's chase case, obviously. But uh, they, instead of just talking about it, they want to write about it. There's something about their experiences that they can actually get a slant on something that's. It could be a very funny approach to what they're writing. So. Yes, most of them, most people that are very good writers have a lot of Sagittarius in them. It's because that quest for the adventure. Interesting. And, mm-hmm. I'll have to look up what Kirk Douglas wrote. I had no idea he was an author. The first book he wrote, I wrote it here, is a book that I read about, I don't know, the first book that he read was The Ragman's Son. He was born to a, a, Jewish, a Jewish person who sold rags for a living in New York. So yeah. interesting. Very poor background. And he he actually, there was an article recently that I read that he says, was everything was always a struggle. I had to work very hard. I had to keep pressing. I had to keep moving forward. And he said also had to, it's sort of like he had a, a big block in his head. He was trying to hit through things and get through them. So he basically just, you know, always kept the focus f- moving forward, and if there was an obstacle, he just moved through it. Mm-hmm. And even if he had to blast through it, he was very obviously with his movies that he had, like Spartacus, you know, and you know the the gladiator type or the warrior type of or archetype, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. That was what he played extremely well. He was extremely good at it. So let's take a look at his chart here. Let me talk a little bit about it. Okay, Sun and Sagittarius, it's in the 11th house. 11th house is the house, naturally, of Aquarius. And so there is a tendency to want to um, help people that are the underdogs. And he was an underdog, and he always went forward, and, and eventually he got to the other side of that. But he never forgot about people that were in need. Never did. So uh, that's something that he was a very strong passion for him. Then he has to back it up. 
he has Aquarius rising in his chart. So basically two parts of his chart, his sun and his rising are related to the Uranus and to the Aquarius sign. So when you have more than one place in the chart where a theme shows up, it becomes dominant in a person's life. So Aquarius rising is generally somebody who has, who feels like he's a uh, complete rebel against all authority, which I think he did when mm-hmm. he grew up. You just felt that. And also there's a physical looks with the rising sign. So there is that. So, I mean, he didn't, he was handsome, let's face it, but he didn't look like he was a mixed breed or anything. That's very common for that particular signature to have Aquarius uh, be many people of, of different generations and different persuasions under one person. So, and then he had Uranus, the ruling planet of Aquarius, in the first in Aquarius. So he, Sirius, and Uranus is in its own sign. So, he had, the theme of Aquarius ran through his quite a bit of his life, you know, mm-hmm. and he was somebody that was always willing to stand up for himself. He would fight for anybody else that 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 was the underdog and make sure that they were prepared, you know, pushed upward, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, uh, and I remember reading a thing on him that it was a, a text of the questions he was asked and he answered. I wish I had it here because it was so beautifully written. He really was a, a fantastic writer, and he just came up with these most profound statements, and he said, I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more relaxed, you know, and I don't feel like I have to prove that much anymore, you know, and this is, he had this interview when he was 84. He still had 19 years left, mm-hmm. you know, and 84 is a very powerful year in astrology that's basically when Uranus goes all the way around the zodiac and comes back to its home base. So again, Uranus was a very strong planet in his chart. When it moved, he moved. Mm-hmm. So because the the influence, 11th house sun, Aquarius rising, and then Uranus and Aquarius. So he was very jumpy. He had a lot of energy, a frenetic energy. That's very typical of Aquarians. Um, they're kind of like electrically um, stimulated, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, he, um, and, you know, also he had the uh, moon in the fifth house in Gemini. It means he's very articulate and could articulate his words very well. And he basically, he taught until, of course, he had his stroke, which mm-hmm. changed everything. But he was able to re-divert that energy into another place where he could rebirth himself. Yes, and find aspects of himself that had not been expressed before because of his fight to rise above exactly poverty. Right. Exactly right. So, yeah, and he, he said his life was very difficult. He had to just keep moving forward. He had a Saturn next to what we call the South Node. In previous lifetimes, he came in with the sense that he had a burden he had to carry. You know, and eventually he eventually lifted that toward the end of his life. But he always felt like he had a burden to bear. But it also made him very responsible and it made him extremely strong. So he was able to withstand any of the really heavy things that came on and he was able to move ahead with them. But he always said things were really hard. We were so poor, could barely afford anything. You know, and it, of course, back in 1916, when he was born, that was a tough time. 
Yes. And very tough time. I mean, we think it's tough now. It was tough, tougher then. So, yeah. And so um, let's see what else has he got in here. And he had the sun basically in opposition to the moon. He was born on a full moon. And uh, that means he has the opposite point, his sun and then his moon. He'd flip-flop between two opposite points. So big picture, little picture. Big picture is Sag. Gemini is little picture. So he would have the little picture. He could write the little details when he was doing his book. And then if he would read it later on, he would kind of go, oh, I'm missing this, this, and this. Because he knew, he knew that he was missing those points once he got into the bigger picture. His content versus context. Mm, so he, that's how he was constructed. That's how he could do it. And he wrote 12 books. He's prolific. Mm-hmm. Yep. But again, he was a Sagittarius, you know, we'd expect this from a Sag, but also heroic character. He was um, archetypally the hero, which is very Sagittarian in some respects. And so it's kind of uh, kind of the it's akin to Aries. Aries is truly the warrior, but Sagittarius is the philosophical warrior. So, you know, you're talking archetypal things that basically are statements about a sign that are applicable to everybody. So. So there you go. Okay. All right. All right. Now listen, Matt, I want you to hang on. We're going to take you as soon as you as soon as I get back. And we will be right back here with the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Hi there. This is a live read for Angela Probst. She's an aromatherapist. At this point, I'm sure you're probably have heard of essential oils. And are you confused, overwhelmed, not sure where to start? There's so much information and our aromatherapy expert, Angela Probst, with Young Living Essential Oils can help you navigate and meet your health and wellness goals. Her next Essential Oils and Emotions class is, let's see, it's February 11th. That's coming up right here on Tuesday, I think. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. At 7 p.m. at Blue Steel Coffee Shop in Tacoma. It's only for ladies, and we'll be talking about how stress and emotions affect our hormones and our love life. So we will share how to use essential oils to combat stress, face emotions, and improve our love life. If you want to get more information or you want to talk to Angela, give her a call today at 253-278-1599 or visit her website at www.myyl.com. Dot com slash Angela. And now it's a live read time for Ms. Wanda Buckner. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Wanda Buckner is a pet and people psychic and Reiki master healer and a frequent guest on our show. She draws on her extensive training and experience with energy healing to teach you Sui Holy Fire Reiki 1 and 2. The class is offered March 14th and 15th in Olympia, Washington. Wanda is, uses an experiment, experiential, and her interactive approach to her students to gain the skills and confidence needed to immediately begin using Reiki to heal themselves and others. The $300 tuition includes a 192-page text, Reiki, the Healing Touch First and Second Degree Manual by William Rand, and Wanda's book, Choosing en- Energy, excuse me, Choosing Energy Therapy, a practical guide for healing options for people and their animals. You can find out more information on her website, www.wandabuckner.com, 
or call her or text her at 360-491-3187. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to MattShayBooks.com, we cover the world of animals. This week, February 9th, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll get to know Matt Shea and discuss his book about animal rescues. We'll follow up with Laura Cook and Seattle Dogs Homeless Program. Plus, we'll talk to Bima at East West Bookshop about all the great upcoming events. Hope you can join us for Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. I cannot believe this segue. <laughs> right, straight yes. to Matt Shade. Matt Shade, near, no kidding. He's sponsoring Martha Norblox. She sponsors us. And now it's time to talk to Matt Shade on the phone. Hi, Matt. Eileen, how are you and Wanda doing? Well, let me answer that. You two are doing great. It's always a fun show with you two. I never miss them. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, so what do you have to ask Wanda? Well, when you use the word empathy, I had to call immediately. Mm-hmm. And there is something about animals. I believe they adopt us because I grew up with many, many cats. Mm-hmm. Now, including the litters, the Shea family, I'm 62. My siblings are almost 70. We count well over 60 cats that have been in our childhood. 60? Over 60. Wow. Six, zero, six times 10. Because they were all strays. They knew where a dish of cat food was, and some of them had litters. But it seemed that they adopted us. And throughout my life, and this includes a dog named Zappa that my parents had, they not only picked us, but they seemed to know who was ill. Because when my parents were battling an illness, Zappa would always be on that specific bedspread, just sitting there joining. Wow. Throughout our life, if one of us was down with the flu, the cat would be there. Yes. That they seemed to know, but in advance from the outside looking in, they knew what family they go to. Wow. They were picking us, not us taking them in, so to say. That's my conclusion about it. That's right. Yeah. That's cool. It's very yeah. lovely. And you lived in a circumstance where there were feral cats and there was that opportunity but the same thing can happen at our local shelters. When you go in, there are a number of animals, um, not only cats and dogs, but rabbits and um, lizards and a <laughs> number of things that can be adopted. And I often hear from people that they feel that the animal they were meant to take home came forward for them. Mm-hmm. I was there in our local shelter, and a um, a man and his wife and the two boys, who I would guess were 8 and 10, they had come in to pick up a dog, and they're standing in front of this very large kennel that had two dogs in it. There's one dog uh, just sitting there being very calm and patient, and then the other dog, a little wiry terrier, is jumping like three feet in the air, jumping, <laughs> jumping, jumping. And the boys are like, yes, yes, that's him. And the mom is like, don't you like this one? This that's gentle, <laughs> sweet dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. But dad was on the side of the boys. Yeah. So, yeah, that little dog really let them know that he wanted them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I, I've written a book called The Meadowdale Community Project. And it's interwoven with the concept of adopting animals, animal shelters, 
and then the funding gets lessened for people who have disabilities. So it's like the Reese's peanut butter commercials. You've got chocolate in my peanut butter. You've got peanut butter in my chocolate. They have a wonderful unification, and it gives the entire town a lift. They get oh, back on great. the map. And animals and seniors become number one. So I'll be interviewed tomorrow on Martha's show about that. But oh, getting cool. back to you, so it is fantastic. I can't wait for this Monday because I will be with you, Eileen. At yes, Pizza you Casa will be at Pizza Casa. You oh, bet. I love it. The food is great and the people we meet and the evening goes too quick. It's yes, just it a does. great night. But oh. you girls do a bang-up job, and I appreciate that you brought up the topic of empathy. Is it the human thing? And animals, our pets, are part of our family. That's Job right. well done, girls. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt, for calling. I appreciate it. And it's a wonderful lead-in. Yeah. I, we take the word empathy for granted. Yeah. But it only came into our language about 1950. Really? Yeah. We had a telepath, and that's where we got telepathy. Mm-hmm. And when... Empathy was first used, the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. The first place it actually happened was in 1956 in a science fiction novel by J.T. McIntosh Mm -hmm. when she talked about an empath. And then there was a Star Trek episode about an empath. And the woman's name was Jim. Jim, played by Catherine Hayes. The interesting thing about that show is it often, uh, in the U.K., they don't show it Mm -hmm. because it involves a great deal of torture. Yeah. The concept of the show is that, you know, uh, the the Enterprise has Mm -hmm. come onto this planet that is about to be destroyed, and there is a race of people there. There is a higher intelligence already on the scene And that intelligence is making the decision about whether or not these people are worth saving. Mm -hmm. And they will save them if these people will give their life for another. Right. And therefore, we have Jim as the empath. And they capture um, Kirk and a couple others of the Mm -hmm. top team members. Right. And this higher intelligence tortures them. Yeah. And what they are waiting for is to see if Jim will take on their pain. Right. And, and so, she did. yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. And who ends it is Dr. McCoy. Yeah. And Dr. McCoy refuses to let her take on his pain. Right. And then Kirk reasons with the, uh, the these people who are supposed to be of higher intelligence that really it shows that they would give their life and they agree to save them. Mm-hmm. And Spock says mm-hmm. that the force field around this planet would dissipate if everyone were just calm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is something to keep in mind. Oh, it's really something. Yeah, because I remember uh, my cat, Peen. She was the ultimate empath. She, she really was because... Um, I think she, in the end, when she got cancer, she was picking up stuff in me. She took on it, took it on, and right. said, "And we really do not want our animals to I do that." I know that. I told and her, so, "Stop it! Stop it! Stop it!" Exactly. So yeah. there is, a, there are two kinds of empaths, and this was defined by a woman named uh, Lena Firestone. So there's this psychological definition of an empath, where where 
we feel a great deal of empathy to the point of taking on another's pain at our own expense. Mm -hmm. And that's a psychological definition Mm -hmm. where people uh, maybe have like paralysis of their hands, Mm -hmm. which is not real, Mm -hmm. but they have taken on an issue that is happening with someone else and they feel as if it is happening to them. Mm -hmm. I was at a conference and it was in California. Uh, There were a whole bunch of people there. It was the evening. People had had drinks. They were enjoying the hot tub. And I was walking down the concrete path toward the hot tub and a small group of people came toward me and the man in front fell flat on his face on the concrete oh. right in front of me. Blood began spurting from his head. Oh, no. I'd had first aid, and so I'm in there, and I'm trying to turn him over, as they say to do, but I can't do it. Uh, he's too heavy for me. I told them to call a 911, which they did, and an aid car came, and they began taking care of him. Mm-hmm. But I noticed in the crowd... There was a woman who did not look well. I mm-hmm. went over and talked to her, and she said, I just, I feel really faint. Mm-hmm. So I asked the hotel staff to bring a lounge chair and a blanket, and then I went back to the man who was being um, worked on by the this EMT staff, and they took care of him. They asked if I knew who he was, which I didn't. He didn't have a stitch of ID on him. I'd never mm-hmm. seen him before in my life. Mm-hmm. But they took him off in the ambulance. And then the crowd dissipated, and I noticed this woman was still in the lounge chair. Wow. So I went back over to her, and she said, I don't think I can make it back to my room. Wow. So we called the EMTs again who came over and checked her blood pressure and so on. Now, there was nothing wrong with her, mm-hmm. but I believe that she had this empathic experience to the point where it was as if what happened to this man were happening to yes. her, Yeah, which is not helpful. <laughs> it doesn't work most times. Well, because she could not, not only could she not help herself, she yeah. could not help anyone else. Yeah. Was, were they connected at all? No. Uh-uh. Oh, wow. They didn't know each other. But they were standing close to each other. No. She's they... in the crowd. Oh. Even but back from Somehow it. she got his... Well, his, you his, don't his... have to be close to That's someone. True. You don't. Because no. you can read about something in the newspaper and and feel it. Yep. I agree. I, I, rem- s- I remember my cat, Peen, she did this. Um, I was laying on, on my bed and I had an upset stomach. And she came washing the sat on my stomach for a while. I yes, think. and that's a lovely thing to do. And, of course, she got off my stomach and threw up. Well, that's not so lovely. I talked to her about that afterwards. So what what it is is that we can comfort people without taking on their pain. Yeah, we can. So in the operating room, um, Deepak Chopra says that if you have a patient on the the surgery table and their blood pressure begins to drop, Mm -hmm. if someone reaches out and holds their hand, Mm -hmm. that will come back. It will begin to come back. Mm -hmm. So we can be aware of someone's pain, but we do not have to feel it. We do not have to experience it. And it's really important to separate, am I feeling this 
or is the other person feeling right, this? Right, exactly. You have to assess that. Okay, that's great. Okay, we're going to come back and talk more about this. This is important stuff because a lot of us may be empathic and we're picking up other people's stuff. And we wonder why we're dragging ourselves around all day because maybe there's somebody around us that is at a lo- lower level of energy, you know. So anyway, uh, this is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And now it's time for Guess Who, Matt Shea Books. It's his show today. All right. Matt writes books that centers around common person in everyday life, people like you and me. His writings emphasize each hand that each and every one of us is blessed with a unique, one-of-a-kind winning hand and that will eventually be called upon to serve the world we live in. Matt will write stories and conduct radio interviews for the rest of his life as a way to encourage and inspire others. Another great book of Matt's is the trilogy, Judge Alvin Wrong, Wrong, excuse me, Laura Town and Mouse, Mouse That Roared, which has been receiving a lot of attention lately and can be found on Amazon and his website. So feel free to look at Matt's website where all his books are available. Matt would love to hear from you and promises to answer any or all of that contact him. You can also write him at his personal email address at workinmatt7, W-O-R-K-N-M-A-T-T-7, at AOL.com. Or you can call him at 206-915-1881. You can contact him at his website, www.mattsheabooks.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Adam Sheck on Valentine's Day with the male point of view on relationships. On Saturday, Catherine Alice, author of Love Will Find You, Nine Magnets to Bring You and Your Soulmate Together, rounds out the love weekend. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Get inspired. Every hour, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Rock, Rock, oh God, Rock Radio. Anyway, so I'm Eileen Grimes, astrologer, and our guest today is Ms. Wanda Buckner. And we are talking about... Empathy. Empathy. And before we go on, let me just give out the phone numbers again because it's important. Yes, and you can call in about any subject. You don't any have subject. to stick to empathy. Yeah, that's true. Feel free. Okay. Yes, thank you. 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington at 888-298-5569. Okay, so we are back and we're talking about, you know, empathy is just so, you know, I'm a Pisces, so I kind of, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, well, let I me explain. Pisces is. <laughs> Pisces is the most empathic of all the signs. So we're at the end of the zodiac, so we're the compilation of 12 signs, which means we can be empathizing with anybody because we can feel when we know what's going on with them. You know, and so when we have all 12 signs running around in us, I think the other signs may be less so, but I feel like I have all 12 of them. So when they're doing a certain behavior, you know, oh, that's Aries, or that's Taurus, or that's, you know, the type of thing identified that way. But, you know, being, um, you know, it's just really interesting because I've had to, you know, do some healing work on people. And, you know, 
I, I have actually made the mistake of taking on too much and I start getting their physical symptoms. So I sort of have to back off and say, no, don't, can't do that. So, um, so what else do you have to say about empathy is so important. I think we all need it. We all need to connect with people and, and sympathize and empathize with them, but up to a point. So empathy is on a continuum. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and it's not you're either are empathic or you're not. Yeah. You may be um, totally neutral mm-hmm. about someone else's child, mm-hmm. but of course you're not neutral about your own. Mm-hmm. So our emotional attachment to the other could increase our empathy, or it may be that we are just generally identifying like uh, when... Um, 9-11 happened, all of us felt our hearts go out yeah. to the people there and what was happening. Right. So realize that empathy is a continuum that mm-hmm. you can move up and down on and that you have a choice on. Mm-hmm. I became really aware of the impact of others' feelings when um, I was in an arena and it was a class and we brought in 12 horses who Uh, just had a halter and lead on. Now, a horse's aura will expand to the limits of what they're confined in. Mm -hmm. So in the field, it goes out to the fence line because they're a prey animal and they always have to be alert as Mm -hmm. to what might attack them. Mm -hmm. So when you figure a 1,200-pound horse and the size of their aura, and we brought 12 horses in, and they were all very uncomfortable there because they were not in their uh, uh, saddles and bridles. They mm-hmm. were just on leads. There were a whole bunch of strangers in the arena. And I felt this wave of fear. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm not afraid of horses. But you were picking up on their fear, right? Yes, but it took me quite a while to sort it out because it felt like it was emanating from me. Mm-hmm. And I... To find out if it's coming from you or someone else, you have to really ground. Yeah. Ask, is this mine or someone else's? Right. It does not help anyone when you take on someone's pain. Right. And just like your sweet cat, it's wonderful that our animals come to us to comfort us. So do our spouses. Yeah. But yeah. we are not asking them to take on those things. So when my little dog and I were volunteering in the hospital, we did some volunteering on uh, the surgical ward with people who were just being admitted. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that she would go in with her tail high, but when we were coming out, it would be lowered. Oh. And so... So she she was taking it on then. Right. And I had to let her know that people can handle the problems that they have mm-hmm. and they're theirs to handle. And we need to be respectful of people in that way too. Mm. When we take on their pain, are we implying that they're not able to handle it and so we're going to take it on too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her job was to maintain her high vibration of unconditional love mm-hmm. and the humans would come up to that. and. That's what our animals, in the best of all possible worlds, 
At all times, they maintain their high vibration of unconditional love. And we let them know that we can handle our issues. Mm-hmm. I sh- want to also talk about pain. Austin Fract says that pain is a, it's an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> an <laughs> and, opinion? Oh, yes, and you can change your mind. Okay. So yeah. I think we talk innocently about pain receptors in our body, but in actuality, we have nerves that mm-hmm. send a signal to the brain, and the brain interprets what that pain is. Right. And so sometimes with really hard, challenging exercise, we say, oh, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. And that because we have stretched and used those muscles and we love to feel those muscles working hard. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we were in a situation where we were being forced to lift that much weight, we might have an entirely different thing about how painful it was and how awful it was. Yeah. But the person who runs a marathon is thrilled. Yeah. The person who is on a forced march, not so much. Not really. No, it's it's all the context in which you hold it. There's a uh, one of the books gave an illustration of a man. He was wearing a construction worker's shoes, mm-hmm. and he had um, a nail from a nail gun go right into his foot, into the front of it. And he immediately went into shock. They took him to the hospital. He had so much pain, they gave him a a lot of pain medication to ease that while they Mm -hmm. removed the nail Mm -hmm. and took his boot off. Mm -hmm. And his foot was untouched. It had gone exactly between the big toe and the second toe in that little space. But the idea of it. Yeah, seeing it, thinking, oh, my gosh, it hit my foot. Right. You know, and then immediately create the pain and all that other stuff with it. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's amazing how powerful the brain is, really, so, when you think about it. So pain signals can be lowered mm-hmm. by having an animal or a person with us. Or if we are... Uh, like they've done actual tests on this, if people are playing a video game while they have certain uh, procedures done, they have less pain than if they aren't. Oh, because it distracts the the mind. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So being an empath can be our greatest strength because it, it increases our understanding and our compassion, but it can also be our greatest weakness Mm -hmm. if it debilitates us or allows us to be manipulated right right yeah like my brother was in the hospital with a rash and my mother she was tears running down her face she was just huddling together and uh, holding herself and I'm like mom it's it's not life-threatening it's it's a rash (laughs) and she said just leave me alone well in that circumstance where my mother was so vulnerable Mm-hmm. If someone had come to her and said, I have this pill mm-hmm. and it can take away your son's pain mm-hmm. and it will cost you your life savings, but you don't want your son to be in pain, do you? Oh. Right. Oh. And so this can happen. Wow. That's just, that's kind of a shock. Yes. But yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I remember thinking at the time when my cat 
jumped off my lap and went and erped up on the floor, I thought, she didn't have to do that, you know. And so I picked her up and put her on the bed, and I talked to her for about 10 minutes. I said, you didn't have to do that. It was okay. My stomach wasn't that bad. And she just didn't, she just lay there and purred, <laughs> you know. Just That was her typical reaction to things. But I said, you just, you don't have to take over my problems for me. I'm okay. So as a healer, I hear people's pain. I am mm-hmm. aware of it, but I don't experience it. Because if you were telling me something deeply personal that was terribly painful, and I began crying, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you would quit talking to me yeah. because you would not want to hurt me. Right, right. If, yeah. And so... People do not want us to take on their pain. Mm-mm. It, It's good to be recognized, to be acknowledged, mm-hmm. and that really feels good. Mm-hmm. But if you t- take on someone else's pain to the point that you cannot function, you are not helping them Mm-mm. and... Oh, you're you, in the middle of it, basically. And you are becoming sick yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, it's... When we can stay and detached enough and just, you know, give them, you know, give them our, you know, attention. I wouldn't necessarily say detached because, and the reason I say that is when, when you or anyone else is telling me about something painful in their life, or perhaps I come on a scene, an accident scene, which has happened before, where I see... I hear the dog wailing as it dies. I see that the husband is already dead and the woman has been thrown out of the car Mm -hmm. on the other side and her foot is bleeding. She's bleeding from the mouth and I am kneeling beside her. I am not detached from her pain. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely present with her. I can say it will be all right and be a calm presence within the storm. I mm-hmm. can be her anchor right. in that terrible moment right. and be of service. Yeah. And we can be, we do not have to be detached in, or, in order not to feel someone's pain. We want to be very present with them, right. but recognize our self Mm-hmm. As opposed to their self. Right. Keep the separateness there, but at the same time connecting. You know, um, it's kind of hard to describe because, you, you know, the what would happen in a traumatic situation like that is that it would be very easy to get pulled in, you know, to their pain and all that kind of thing. But, you know, I, you know, I think that any time I've ever talked to somebody who's been traumatized, it's like there's something happens within me that says, okay, I'm, I'm here, they're there, and I'm going to reach over there and I'm going to assist them the best I can, you know, and, um, but not get involved with the pain, you know, because I can't. Sometimes know? what happens to us is their pain hooks something in us. Yeah. So when I was 20 years old, I'm holding my new baby, seven-pound baby, and I'm standing and nursing him, and 
my mother again is crying. And I'm like, Mom, why are you crying? Your mom was crying a lot. Wasn't she it? was an empath oh. <laughs> with no boundaries. Ah, and it. so she said, it just hurts me so much yeah. to see you standing and nursing that baby. Yeah, right. Now, was she, I was not feeling pain. Mm-hmm. Was she speaking from the pain of her own childbirth years? So it hooked something within her. Yes, it would have. And yeah. those things we need to heal within ourselves. Right. And bring bring it up to present. Not go backwards, but be here now. So, okay, we got to take a really quick break here. And when we get back, we're going to be finishing up with Ms. Wanda Buckner. This has been a very quick hour. So this is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. <laughs> And this is a live read for Susan Bergstrom of the Medicare Exchange. Medicare coverage is a very important and confusing issue as we near retirement, largely because Medicare doesn't cover 100% of your medical costs, only about 80%. That means we will need affordable supplemental coverage that takes care of that 20%. Susan Bergstrom can help get the best coverage for you with her The process is really easy, and in the end, she will save you money. So to schedule an appointment or RSVP for one of her workshops, call Susan at 253-318-9379 or email her at sbergstrom at americanseniorbenefits.com. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW. Uh, Yeah, and we've got Ms. Wanda Buckner with us today. She's been very informative about empathy. You know, it's, I haven't, we haven't really talked about that subject on this show. And when I figured out what you're talking about, I'm going, oh, good. Good, (laughs) This is good stuff. Because, um, as I said, being a Pisces, you know, it's not a matter of turning it on or off. It's always on. It is like water that flows. You know, sometimes it flows way up, you know, depending on who I am around, who who could be in pain or something like that. Or, you know, or do I choose to be around them while they're doing that or do I choose to detach? And that's, I don't know, if you probably have done this, but I've discovered that there's one way that I can handle that. And I kind of ask God if I have run into somebody who's really in pain and if I want to de- do healing, I ask God, is this somebody I can do this with? So ask the source. I will get a yes or a no. Right. Yeah. And you're talking about healing, not. Um, yeah, I'm talking about healing, basically. But right. And of course, you always ask the person. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of of pain and one of the reference to God is, is that in the in the garden, Jesus was praying just uh, before he was arrested and and saying, if this cup can pass from me. Mm-hmm. So even he was asking if this coming pain was his to feel. Mm-hmm. And he he said that if it's your will, I will. I will feel this and go through with this. The cup was mm-hmm. his. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes with our friends and even people we don't know, the cup is not ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not any of us. It's not our job to feel other people's pain. Yeah. 
It's not our job to talk them out of it, Mm -hmm. to say, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't feel that way. This happens to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's not our job to tell them that we have experienced the same thing. Right. Like, if you tell me that you are overwhelmed, you have so much to do, it's not very supportive for me to say, oh, I feel the same way. I am so overwhelmed. I, I, there's so much I should tell you. What I have done is I've made it about myself right? and not about you. Right. A more compassionate response is, oh, what's, what's on your plate? What's coming up? Mm-hmm. Much more compassionate than experiencing the same thing myself. Right, yeah. So when I am with animals or with people, I do want to be aware of what is going in their life, on in their life, but not, I don't want to experience it because that could cripple me. Right. I have to ask myself, is this feeling helpful? I can acknowledge another's pain without experiencing. Exactly. Yeah. So an important thing here, I want to go back to where we started. Okay. With the concept of the spiritual impact. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is what I aspire to, that I feel deeply for myself and in turn for others. Where someone who is codependent, I, is they, they're more like I feel others' mm-hmm. feelings for them. Yeah, right. This is from um, a Facebook page called The Beloved. So what happens a lot of times is people are uncomfortable with mm-hmm. someone else being in pain, and so they want to fix it. Mm-hmm. I am comfortable to allow others their pain. Mm-hmm. It's not our job to fix other people. Mm-hmm. They get to have their own process. They right. get to go through what is important to us. Yep. How often have we denied another person's feelings, a child when they lose their cat? Right. Or my mother with my brother instead of letting her have her feelings and about perhaps losing her own life or losing her son and work through those. It's usually the fear that we have. Oftentimes, absolutely. Yeah, it's the fear that we have. And sometimes people want to say, if I can help to heal you, then I can heal me. Mm -hmm. But it's the other way. I can heal me. And you can heal you. Yeah. And I give you that respect. Right. And that recognition. And I respect your ability to deal with whatever crosses mm-hmm. your path. Right. And I am there in support. Right. But not to feel it for you or do it for you. Because then you may yes. have to do it all again. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is good stuff. And um, I just want to, you know, just end this today with the thought that um, when we when we reach out and try to help heal somebody else I don't think we should ever do it from a place when we're we're feeling a lack of because we're feeling like we need their attention or we need to fix them okay if we need to do that that's not exactly what's going to work you know we have to put ourselves first and I think especially if we're in an energy drain ourselves and we do this uh, basically to get approval or whatever it is, then that's, that's, that's counterproductive. 
So, I mean, that's that's how I feel. And so, but if we do it when we're in a really good state and we feel like, okay, we can we can release a little, little bit of that energy and give that um, that energy without compromising my own energy. And we should probably have a whole show about that. Yeah, we really should. <laughs> because cause we're done here, you know. Yeah. And we're just getting started with this stuff. And I, I want to leave you with that all healing is self-healing. Yes. It is self-healing. And the energy that is used by he- healers in healing others, it's not our own energy. If we use our energy, we will right. burn out and yeah. it will be not be the powerful energy of the universe. That's right. Exactly right. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you, Eileen. It was very awesome. Um, And you can get a hold of Wanda at? 360-491-3187. Okay. Or WandaBuckner.com. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. Now we've got our announcements. We have the Emerald Spiral Expo coming up in March, March 28th, and that'll be from 10 until 4. It's a, the hugest and biggest New Age fair in the Northwest. And there's over 90 booths selling crystals, books, and readings. And there's a new keynote speaker, Cor- Colby Wilk, who's going to be there, who's going to be talking and doing a workshop for us. And also, you can let's face it, you can bring family. It's a free admission. We have f- hundreds and hundreds of people there with kindred spirits exploring the exciting world of alternative medicine, new age wisdom, and quantum physics. All of that under the same roof, folks. So the Emerald Spiral is a free event, as I said, free healings and lectures and free parking at Kent Commons, 525 4th Avenue North on Saturday, March 28th. The new hours are from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., so to learn more, if you want to contact a star to get a vendor's booth for yourself, you can do that. I think since the, the it's pretty much all taken up by now, but I think there's still some available booths. If you want to talk to her, you can contact her at emeraldspiral.com, and you can allow Emerald Spiral to help you discover a new adventure on your journey of spirituality, your purpose, and the magic inside of you. Then we have the After Dark Readings. We're going to be, as Matt mentioned earlier, at the Pizza Casa in Lakewood, Monday night from 4 to 7 p.m. That's 124, excuse me, 12924 Pacific Highway Southwest in Lakewood. $20 for 10 minutes, $40 for 20 minutes. And the first person who gets there, who has heard the Jupiter Rising, gets a free book by Matt Shea. And then the dark, the after dark readings at Burr's on Wednesday. I'm becoming a chain here, folks. And then uh, this is Burr's restaurant. That's at 6151 Stillicum Boulevard in Lakewood, Washington. And uh, that's kind of we're almost done here. At 6:30 to 8:30 p.m. and it's twenty dollars for ten minutes. It's, it's Wednesday. Okay, so um, the next in, on the next uh, show. Okay, we're going to be having. Um, Mary Beckman. Mary Beckman is the rock and roll psychic and my former co-host, which will be kind of cool. So, and you can get a hold of me at EileenGrimes.com or JupiterRisingShow.com. And that's it for us, kids. We went through this show like grease lightning. So, (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we will see everybody next week with Mary Beckman. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio.